Good morning, everyone. I was giving thanks during that prayer. It's news now, so I can let it out. Uh, We've known for several weeks, but uh, our daughter, Rebecca, is pregnant, and we are grandparents. So, baby's due in February, and so... uh, just keep uh, Becca and Stephen and the baby in your prayers, if you would. And we, we are very excited. And we've known for several weeks, but they put it out there on Facebook. So I guess that means we can share it with whoever now. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Colossians again this morning. We're continuing our series in this book, which we are, which I've titled Confidence in Christ. And this morning we're going to be reading from the third chapter again. We'll start with the uh, with verse three, and then we'll read actually through chapter one, uh, chapter four, verse one. And while you're finding that, I heard a, a cute story talking about babies and little kids um, this week. This mother was telling her little girl um, about all of the things that she did in her her childhood. She said, "You know, we used to skate on the pond, and we would swing on the tire swing." In the tree, and we would ride our pony, and we would go out into the woods and pick raspberries when we wanted a a snack. And so this little girl, you know, she was listening closely to her mom, and she was taking all of that in. And then she looks up at her mom, and and she says, wow, mom, I wish I'd have gotten to know you sooner. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cute. Okay, last Sunday... um, I started the message by talking about some things that are different from each other. And of course that led us then into looking at the difference between life and death that Paul was talking about in these earlier verses of chapter 3. The difference between a, a life lived in Jesus Christ, which brings us life, versus a life lived in sin, which brings death and destruction. And so now, in these later verses of chapter 3, we get into what that difference looks like, or Paul does. And so Colossians 3, we're going to begin with verse 12. This is what God's Word says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, which we've already done this morning. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, 
Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, working as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. In the TV series, The Chosen, there is a scene in the very first season in which Jesus is calling his first disciples to follow him. When Jesus, Peter, and, and James, and John go walking by the tax collector's booth where people are paying their taxes to Matthew and to the Roman government, Jesus simply looks at Matthew in the tax booth and he says, follow me. That's it. Just follow me. You see, God had already been working on Matthew's heart and preparing him for that moment because he knew right then and right there that that is what he was called to do. We actually find that account in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. But the chosen has an interaction between Jesus and Peter right after Matthew leaves that tax booth, which is very telling about what is ahead. Peter looks at Matthew coming and he says to Jesus, he says, I don't get it. He doesn't get why Jesus would call Matthew. I mean, he's a tax collector. Tax collectors in that time were some of the lowest and greediest and and actually despised people in society. But Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you didn't get it when I called you either. And Peter says to Jesus, he says, but this, this is different. I mean, I'm not a tax collector after all. Well, then comes the words from Jesus that make up the message title for this morning. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get used to different. Following Jesus is different. It's different in many ways. It is different from the kingdom of this world. It's different from much of what culture says and does. It's different than many of the ideologies that float around. It is just different in so many ways. Now, it doesn't, of course, mean that that following Jesus needs to make us uh, look like some alien from outer space that people are going to run away from and you know, not want to interact with or run away from in fear. It just means that our life as God's chosen people, as Paul says here in verse 12, it should look different. It should be different. 
And it should have a different appearance than the ways of the world. And as we've seen recently from Matthew 13, where it says the kingdom of heaven is like this. And of course, in other instances in the, the word of God, it says it's not like this. Okay, it gives us that contrast. That's what Paul is saying in our main text this morning from Colossians 3. Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell in you. And then he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And, you know, if you look at all the ways that that we are to do that, they are all virtues of life that are very different from the vices in life. So in a world that is filled with addictions and and conflict and hatred and sin and and death we as God's chosen people are to be agents of redemption of restoration of love of life and of peace now with that said even we as Christians and fellow followers of Jesus, we probably cannot come to an agreement on every single situation or issue that comes up in our world. But as we look at the life of Jesus, whom we follow as our Lord and Savior, we need to be sure that we form our opinions and that we form our view of the world From this covenant of life and peace that he affirmed. And Paul is pointing that out here in these verses. As you head out into the world, he says, clothe yourselves, put these things on. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And as if those aren't sometimes hard to live out, he adds this. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Why does he tell us to do that? Because he says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. When we are faced with an issue or a situation or anything in this life, do we stop? And do we maybe pray, probably pray, and do we ask, how would Jesus view this? I mean, what what did Jesus do when he was faced with a situation like this? Now, obviously, you know, we don't have every situation today that's covered in the Gospels that were written 2,000 years ago. Things have changed in those 2,000 years. We have some new issues that they didn't have back then. But I think no matter what it is in our world or in our life that's going on, we know enough to say that Jesus was for life, that Jesus was for dignity and kindness and peace. I like what uh, the late Chuck Colson said in a speech. Is actually he said this on the very night that he collapsed and, and passed away. He said, Christians don't impose our views on anyone. We propose 
the Christian church makes a great proposal inviting everyone to the table regardless of color, ethnic origin, background, or economic status. We're inviting people to consider a worldview that works, that makes sense, through which people can discover shalom and human flourishing. I mean, that that seems to be what Paul is saying here in Colossians 3. These are things that bring life and they bring peace. These are the proposals that we need to make as we live out our lives as Christians. Not everyone is going to accept them. Not everyone is going to uh, maybe live by them. But Jesus told us it's going to be that way. You know, Jesus has said that. That we are going to be different than the world. And that if we are going to, to follow him We should get used to that difference. You see, a different life that is lived in Jesus can bring about a different outcome in our life as well as in the life of those that that we interact with in this world. Bill Brown once said this. He said, history is filled with those who spoke violently against Christ, but then, overwhelmed by grace came to embrace him as their savior. And the way that that people become, uh, you know, overwhelmed by grace is when we as Christians display the life-giving nature of Jesus. The life of every person, of course, is valuable and and important to God. I mean, that's something that we need to remember (laughs) as we form our opinions on the various issues of our day. Those are the things that Christ desires from us. Uh, you know, perhaps too often we approach the issues of our day with wrong attitudes. Or maybe with a feeling of retribution or, or vengeance for, for people who disagree with us. And of course, you know, when we react... In those ways, we, we are usually met back with an unfavorable reaction. And usually from there, things do not go well. And it takes away our opportunity to lead a person to Christ. We sometimes think of people like Mother Teresa when we think of things like the sanctity of life and helping people in need. We think of Martin Luther King Jr. when when talking about racial reconciliation and nonviolence. We think of Billy Graham when talking about evangelism and leading people to salvation. And you know, people like that are they're most always viewed in a positive light because they took on these big issues in life. And yet they they clothe themselves with these virtues that Paul is talking about here. I mean, we we are probably not as well known as those three people that I mentioned. But we, we do need to be known for clothing ourselves with these virtues. 
when people view our attitude or approach as threatening or unloving, it makes that that proposal of a Christian worldview that, that Chuck Colson referred to, it just makes it much less inviting to people. They're not going to be interested in it. We realize, though, that sometimes the desire of ours to promote life and peace, as I said, is not going to be received as we had hoped that it would be. But that doesn't mean that we stop trying. After all, it is a covenant that God has shared with us and and Jesus has confirmed in us. I mean, Jesus himself, the author of life and the prince of peace was crucified on a cross by people who rejected him and rejected his message. And he told us that the same thing was going to happen to us as his followers. But the grace that he brings to us is a message that we are called to share with the world in a positive light. Whether they receive it or not. It is different, but you see, it's different in a good way. We are called to propose and present the good in place of the bad. And I'm going to illustrate that with some examples this morning. And I'm going to just come down the aisle here and uh, involve some of you in this. We'll start right here with Andy. Andy, if you had a choice between conflict in your life or peace in your life, which are you going to choose? I'm going to give you that. Sky, if you at school had somebody that had a heartless attitude or somebody who had a compassionate attitude towards you, which one would you choose? You want compassion. Okay, I'll give you that. Mike, at work, if you have somebody who is showing their hatred or somebody that's very kind in the way they interact with you, which one are you going to choose? You're going to go with kindness. All right, I'll give you that one there. Gloria. If you um, have somebody who is very arrogant or you have somebody who is living their life in humility, which one are you going to choose? I would like the humble. You would like the humble person. Okay. Give you humility. Christopher, do you want somebody, do you want to interact with somebody who's disrespectful or somebody who is gentle in the way they converse with you? Gentle. You want gentle, okay. Makai. Do you want to interact with an angry person or a very patient person? You like the patient person. I don't blame you. So all those people chose the good, right? They didn't want any of these bad things that, that I offered to them. And so I think, I think what we'll do is we'll just put these things at the foot of the cross. Because that's probably where they belong. <laughs> um, but that's... See, that's just an example of what we are to be in this world for Jesus. Be the good. Do the good. Offer the better life, the better attitude in Jesus. And pray that people will receive you and receive it as you live that out.
And then we kind of transition here in the middle to something that is different, but I feel like it's very similar to what we're talking about this morning. In the last verses of these chapter, of this chapter and end of verse 1 of chapter 8, Paul shifts his focus a bit to the Christian home and the workplace. And his message is pretty much the same, but he's encouraging us to live out these virtues in our marriages, with our children, in our families, and in the workplace. This section of Colossians is actually very similar to something that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. If you look at Ephesians 5 and 6, um, it's a little bit longer version of what he shares here in Colossians. But some scholars believe that Paul wrote Ephesians to the Ephesian church about the same time that he wrote to the church in Colossae. And so um, he talks a lot in both places about um, these Christian virtues and sends letters to both of these churches. These, these verses are probably most well-known because of the use of the word submit, which is really unfortunate because what he is really saying is that all of us need to submit to each other because of how Christ has given his life for us. In fact, if you go over to Ephesians 5, verse 21, Paul says it this way. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands and wives, treat each other differently than what you sometimes see in the world. Children, treat your parents differently than what you sometimes see other children doing. Parents, treat your children with these virtues of Christ so that they will be encouraged to grow in the Lord as Gloria was talking about earlier, instead of discouraged. I mean, yes, you know, discipline and, and, and learning about life is important as you're a child and as you are growing up. But those things can be done with a loving spirit instead of in anger, frustration, and shouting. Husbands and wives, the same can be said for marriage as well. Love each other, be there for each other, support each other, and manage those stressful times because there will be stressful times in any marriage, family, raising children or whatever. Manage those stressful times by leaning on Jesus and clothing yourselves with what virtues? Let's say them together. They're on the screen now. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In the world, we clothe ourselves that way. In our families, we put on those virtues. And then, in the workplace, we do as well. And that's what verses 23, or 22 through 25 deal with uh, as a part of our life. In today's culture, we, we see these verses uh, in relation to our work. And our relationships, 
in the workplace, maybe how we view um, how we view those might be those relationships with our boss or our manager or a supervisor that might be over us. So you know, if you if you follow Jesus, it's probably going to be different than how you see others react to these things, or at least it should be different. We are to give it our all in the workplace. We are to put our heart into it. We are to view our work as if we are working for the Lord and not for your boss or for your company. You are doing it unto the Lord. If you own a business, then hopefully you view your company or your farm or whatever in that way already. It really is the Lord's work that we are doing. It is the Lord's work that we are managing. And it is the Lord's work that we are growing. And so, you know, if you are a boss or you are a supervisor, you need to treat each employee with respect and be fair with them. Even those difficult employees. You need to figure out a way to do that. Which is not always easy, but, but uh, we need to think about that. Again, it goes back to verse 12. Be different, react different, treat people different, and show people a different way than what the world often shows. Make them want what you have in your life in Christ. Make them want to choose a better way or a different way than what the world is offering to them. Now, of course, we should not avoid the truth or we should not avoid the the fact that our lives can be better when lived in the ways of God than in the ways of the world. David Garland puts it this way. He says, Christians should not shy away from the fact that our lives are centered on divine things. On the divine things. We offer a different way of making sense of reality and a different way of living. Which goes against the grain of what modern society often uh, offers as the norm. Some years ago... uh, there's a Mennonite pastor and author named Don Crable who wrote a book that was entitled The Upside Down Kingdom, which spoke a lot about these type of things. The overall premise of his book was to ask Christians, what would our lives look like if we lived out the Beatitudes and the ways of Jesus in our daily lives? That's what we're talking about this morning. He went beyond that and, and he said, he went beyond saying that it would look different. He said that it would turn everything upside down. That's the title of his book. And that's really what Paul is calling for here in Colossians as well. Not just life in this world with a little bit of Jesus thrown into it. No. Life in this world with the ways of God, the example of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit as your main focus. 
It's really a call to radical discipleship. But as Jesus told Peter and told Matthew and told the first disciples, that is what we are called to as followers of Jesus. We have to get used to different and share with others that the ways of Jesus are not only better than the ways of the world, but they can change your whole view of the world and of our eternal life when our time in this world comes to an end. Finally, in closing, Paul is saying here that we who are God's chosen people should be living in this way and as as an example for others to see. In your life in general, in your marriage, in your family, in the workplace, are we living a life of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness? Are we putting on the virtue of love in our interactions with others? Are we showing a way to live in peace? And as verse 15 here says, and I'll end with this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then Paul says, be thankful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning and we realize that this world gives us so many different options. We see so many different things as we live our lives. Help us to know, Lord, that our Father in heaven calls us to live as the Word of God tells us to live and as Jesus has shown us to live. Lord, help us to love you and to listen to you with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Help us to clothe our lives in the ways of God, in the example of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that others might see you in each of us. Help us not to be afraid to be different but to be different in a way that people want to follow you and see the difference that that it can make in their life. And I pray that it's making a difference in our lives. Let's stand. Stand together if you would. We're going to continue in prayer. By standing, we are going to commit ourselves to, to living this kind of life as we go out of this place this morning. Lord, we want to be different. We want to be different in a good way. We want to offer people the good things that you have given to us. Lord, I pray over all the marriages that are represented. I pray over every family that is represented. Each individual that is here this morning or watching online. I pray for all the places we work. Those are the places, Lord, that most of us will interact with people in order to live these things out. The students going back to school, I pray, Lord, that they may be able to clothe themselves with these kind of attitudes and and love in this new school year, along with teachers and administrators. Lord, help help each of us to, to realize that 
in our work and in, in our interactions in life, we can make a difference. And Jesus wants us to be the difference makers. Lord, I just pray that as we go out from here, your spirit would go with us and empower us. We know it's not always easy. These things are sometimes difficult in life. And each situation is a little bit different. But Lord, I pray that when we're in one of those tough situations, we would call on you in prayer and, and ask for you to give us guidance and words and attitudes that we can uh, be like Jesus. Lord, thank you for the time we've had here this morning, and I pray your blessing on each of us as we go out into this new week ahead of us. May your word and your wisdom and the example of Jesus go with us. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless. Have a great week, everyone.